So we are in week two of our series. It's a trap. It's a trap. And so we started last week, um, and uh, we talked about the first trap that Satan has, because the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not, not things that we, we really enjoy. It also says that the, the Satan is like a prowling lion looking for who he may devour next. And so we're looking at Jesus in the desert, where he was tempted in four ways. Um, everybody say four. Four ways. So each week we're going to look at one of the ways that Satan tries to trap us because he tried to trap Jesus because Jesus was fully God and fully man and could be tempted. So um, let's, uh, let, let's think about last week. It was trap number one, and it is this. Satan wants us to doubt who we are and whose we are. Uh, Pastor Eastman talked a little bit about doubt and how uh, Satan came and said, if you are the son of God, if. Uh, I'm going to put doubt in your mind, Jesus. I'm going to make you think maybe you aren't who you think you are. And if you are, you'll do this, this, and this. And so he tried to make him doubt. He tries to make us doubt all the time. And Satan wants us to doubt who we are and whose we are. And here's why this matters. If we doubt who we are and whose we are, we will, it will lead us to feeling unvaluable, feeling like we have no purpose, feeling like our decisions do not matter, like nobody cares about us, like we were not created by God. And if, if Satan can get us to think those things, this is why it's so important. If Satan can get us to think those things, and we'll just live how we want because our life doesn't matter. We, we don't really have a point to our existence. I might as well just do whatever I want. I might as well live how I want because it doesn't really matter. I live once, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Doubt is such a, such a kind of tricky trap that, that Satan tries to set for us. But here's the truth. Here's the truth to, to fight that trap. And it is this. God has created us and given us value. God has created us and given us value. And maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've never thought about God in that way. But you are valuable. You are created for a purpose. You are loved. You are forgiven in Jesus. And so we cannot listen to the, to the, to the lie, to the trap of doubt in our lives because it will lead us into so much turmoil and so much, so many problems. And tonight we're going to look at the second trap, the second out of four traps that Satan tries to set for Jesus and that he continues to try to set for us. And it is hunger. So let's pray together and we'll get started. Jesus, we love you. We need you to be here tonight. Be present. Speak to our hearts in the way that only you can. And I pray that we will listen and not just listen, but that we will act. In your name we pray. Amen. How many people in here have ever been really, really hungry? Raise your hand. Should be about everybody. We've all, we've all come into our like, house before, gone to a restaurant before, come home from a trip. And we're like, oh, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. I, I need food. I'm, I'm dying here. I'm, so, I'm dying of thirst. I'm dying of hunger. I, I, could, eat, I could eat a house right now. And we, we exaggerate, we exaggerate. And, uh, and we, we, we just talk about how hungry we are all the time. And, and the truth is we live in America and very, 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 very few people proportionally are, are hungry and uh, basically nobody starves. But there are places on earth where people 
are starving. We, we hired a, a serve pastor um, just this past week, and he's not going to start until the summer, but he's going to do all our mission trips for our adults and all our local serves. His name's Sean, and uh, he has lived in Haiti for the past three years with his family. And if you don't know about Haiti, Haiti is the poorest country in our hemisphere. And so you think about some of the poor places you've been. Maybe you've been to parts of Mexico or, or Jamaica or the Bahamas or, or Guatemala or whatever, and Haiti is the poorest of the poor. They, have the, they actually have people starving in the streets that literally die of starvation. It is, a, it, is a, it, is a, it is a sad place, and there are people that are truly hungry. But he told me a story, um, and we were just kind of talking about hunger as I prepared for this, this message. And um, he told me a story about what a lot of the kids and, and adults do in Haiti when they are very hungry. They have these things called mud cookies, and they are what you think they are. They are, um, they take this certain kind of mud, mud, like dirt that's mixed with water, mud, actual mud. They put a little bit of salt because they don't have much. They put a little bit of flour. They don't have much. They put a little bit of oil in it, and they'll make these little small crusty patties, and they'll put them out in the sun, or they'll put them in the oven and allow them to cook, and they literally will sell these on the streets, and they'll give them to their children, and here's the thing about mud cookies. Mud cookies don't actually have any nutritional value. As you can imagine, it's dirt. You're literally eating dirt, but, but the reason they eat them is because they want to feel full. They, they, they want to put something in their body. They want to chew on something. He was telling me even about a little boy. It's so sad. A little boy um, in their neighborhood that the, the kids, um, who were also poor, were making fun of him one day because he was so hungry. He had taken wood and shredded it up and was chewing on wood and eating wood. And he was doing this because he needed to feel full, even if he wasn't actually eating food. And so they eat these mud cookies to feel full. And the truth is, we kind of do the same when it comes to hunger in our lives. And it may not be food, but there are so many hungers and cravings in our lives that we experience. And we all just want to feel full. We want to feel content. We want to feel satisfied in this life. And people will chase some crazy, crazy things in order to feel satisfaction. We will chase some, some audacious uh, goals to, to feel full, to feel satisfied. And we find Jesus in, in Matthew uh, chapter 4 in this situation. He is extremely hungry. And what Satan tries to do after he tries to get him to doubt himself, he tries to trap him with hunger. And so let's open up to Matthew 4, and it's on the screens if you need it. Matthew 4, verse 1. Matthew 4, verse 1. It says this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, that means he had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is possible. People still do this today. I read a blog uh, about, it, about a guy who did this um, and kind of blogged about the experience himself. Um, but after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Huh, that's obvious. He had, he had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He's out in the desert, and he is hungry. And the tempter, that's, the, that's what they're calling Satan in this situation, the tempter came to him. He had this opportunity, this opportune moment, and he came to him, and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, you're God. You have the power to do anything. I know you're hungry, and I'm going to trap you. I'm going to trick you, and I know that if I can get you to sin, then it ruins everything. You can no longer be the perfect uh, sacrifice for humanity. You can no longer go to the cross and die for the people's sins. And I have one. If I can just get you to eat 
bread instead of trusting God. And Jesus could have easily done this. He could have done this a long time ago. He didn't need to wait 40 days and 40 nights. But Jesus answers with these words. It is written, what he's saying is, God has said, this is in scripture, and he quotes a verse out of Deuteronomy. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, I'm hungry, but food isn't going to sustain me. Food's not going to save me. Food can't make me satisfied. I can only get that from every word that comes from the mouth of God. I can only get that from my relationship with God. What Satan is trying to do is he wants Jesus to trade in all of God's plans for a snack, for a physical pleasure, for a momentary pleasure. He wants him to pick that instead of picking God. And when we are hungry, All we can think about is what we want. And I'm not just talking, again, about food, but I'm talking about anything that we hunger after, any of these physical temptations. It's like like the only thing we can think about or we can't get it out of our head. Uh, Cole reminded me of the Snickers commercial um, that that has been going on for the past couple years. And it says, um, you're not you when you're hungry. And so it'll show like a person and they're acting like some like diva or, or jerk and they're like being mean to all their friends. And they're like, man, 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 you need to eat. And they give them a Snickers and they're like, turn into somebody else, and they're like, oh, I feel so much better. And the truth is, we are not ourselves when we are hungry. We kind of like lose our minds, and we lose our way, and we will go down paths that we didn't think we'd go down because we're craving something so much. And so, this is trap number two. Satan wants us to choose pleasure in the moment over God. If you're taking notes, there's notes on the seat back in front of you. Satan wants us to choose pleasure in the moment over God. And he's got a lot of ways of doing this, doesn't he? He's got sex, and he wants us to choose sex over him, or choose sex in a way that he has not designed it. Along those lines, he wants us to pick pornography. He wants to take pornography and use it to control us, to trap us. He wants us to choose money, which is not an evil thing in and of itself. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, money's evil. They're just making something up. That's not in the Bible. But money can draw us away from God. He'll use money to tempt us. He'll use food, literal hunger. He'll have us eat our way or not eat our way to our own deaths. And he'll tempt us in a way with those, with those temptations. He'll take drugs, all kinds of drugs, gateway drugs, hardcore drugs, doesn't matter what kind of drugs. And he will use those to tempt us, to draw us away from God. He'll say, hey, if I can get them addicted to drugs or picking drugs for whatever reason, I've got them. Because I can pull them away from God whenever I want. Along the same line of drugs, he'll take alcohol. And he'll use that as a, as a temptation for us. Another thing he'll do is he'll take stuff, our possessions, our clothes, our cars, our homes. And he'll use those things to physically tempt us. Because the truth is we're hungry for all of this. As human beings, we have a natural hunger for all of these things. But he uses them in a way to pull us away 
from God. And maybe, maybe you've heard of this, this term before. There's a term called instant gratification. And instant gratification literally means this. It's the desire to experience pleasure or fulfillment without delay. Here's what it means. We want what we want right away. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for God's plan. We don't want to wait for God's timing. We want what we want in the moment. And so we take these things. Hey, I want certain things. I want certain stuff or money. And I'm going to get it whether God's plan for me is to get it or not. And we will sell our souls for stuff and for money. We'll, we'll chase feelings. We'll chase this, this feeling or this high because, man, i got to get away from my life. I don't like the way I live. I don't like myself in a normal day-to-day life. Man, i got family situations. i got stuff at school. i got stuff at work. And it's just, it's just too much for me. And I'm going to escape through alcohol and drugs. And I'm going to find satisfaction, not in God, but in a feeling. In a feeling. God has this design for us for sex. We've talked about it many times. And, and what we'll do is we'll say, man, I'm not willing to wait. I'm not waiting on God's plan. Please, marriage? Please, I don't even know when that's going to be. I don't even know if I'm going to get married. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get mine right now with whoever I'm with. And if I can't get a boyfriend or girlfriend, or even if I do have a boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm just going to look, look at porn all the time. And I'm, I'm going to do some things in my bedroom because that will give me the satisfaction I'm looking for. I'm hungry for it. I'm hungering after that thing. And what Satan does is he takes these things And he traps us with them. What do we do when we take all these things and we just keep putting them around us? We build a jail cell for ourselves. We build a wall in between us and God. And it's not that God loves us any less because we've been sinning. I mean, we we all mess up. We're going to continue to mess up. If it was about that, man, we'd we'd be screwed. But we need grace. But, but, But it gets in the way of us and God. It makes us, how many times have you heard somebody say, man, I can't, I can't go to church. I got, too many, I got too many things. I got too many problems. I got, I got to improve myself before I go to church. See, if, if Satan can get us to give in to this temptation, again, he's got us. Because, because we will just continually chase after idols. If it's not stuff, it's money. If it's not money, it's alcohol. If it's not alcohol, it's pornography. And we'll just continue to go from one trap to the next. And Satan knows all he has to do is put one of these things on a mouse trap. And he just watches us go after this little piece of moldy bread, this little piece of junk. And he just watches us walk to our doom as we sniff around this temptation. Because all of our decisions, all of our decisions, if this is, if this is the temptation that brings you down, all of your decisions will be driven by what you want, not what God wants. What you want. You will naturally be going after your hunger. I'm hungry for this. I'm going to go after this. I'm hungry for this. I'm going to go after this. And it doesn't matter what it is. Because if you stop looking at pornography, you're going to start having sex. If you stop having sex, you're going to start doing drugs. And it's just going to be one thing to the next of self-destructive behavior. We talked a few weeks ago about self-sabotage. You're just going to continue to sabotage your life because you're not putting God on the throne of your life. You're just putting whatever the next temptation is. See, we'll constantly live a life where we're chasing the next high, the next brick, the next temptation. We'll constantly want something else. It's the law of diminishing returns, if you've ever heard of that. It's it's where when you get something, you want more. People don't just start, when they look at pornography, they don't just start with some hardcore crazy stuff on the internet. They get there step 
at a time. A step at a time. People usually don't start an alcoholic tendency the first night they drink. They usually don't start hardcore drugs right away. They usually don't make rash financial decisions or do whatever it takes for money. It goes one step at a time. And then that's not enough, so you got to get more. And then that's not enough, so you got to get more. We've all lived this way before. We've all gotten the meal that we want, and then we want another meal. Or we want the next high, or we want the next party, or we want the next sexual experience. And that girl's not hot enough, and that guy's not good looking enough, and that wasn't good enough, and I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough stuff. And we just get inundated with the temptations of Satan. See, he wants us to choose all these things over God. And here's the truth for you. Constantly satisfying ourselves will lead to an unsatisfying life. And if you could get this truth, this, this would change so much for you. Constantly satisfying ourselves will lead to an unsatisfying life. Why? Because you can never get enough. You get a million dollars and you compare yourself to multimillionaires. You get multi-million dollars, you pay, compare yourself to billionaires. This is why rich people aren't necessarily happy. You eat this and you want more. You don't eat this and you want less. You want your body to look a certain way. You want the next high. You want the next drug. You want better weed. You want better parties. You want better sex. You want better pornography. And you just keep on going down this path. And where does it lead you? Unsatisfying life. You've got nothing to show for it. You, all you have is an addiction. All you have is a tendency to go down a road of one of these and Satan's got you. He doesn't even need to try. He doesn't even need to say, give you lies about Jesus or about, about church. All he's got to do is get you caught up in this so much that you feel like, man, I'm, I can't even approach God. I'm blocked off from God because constantly satisfying ourselves will lead to an unsatisfying life. We'll conquer one thing and we'll go to the next. We'll conquer that and we'll go to the next thing. And it'll just be a, a, like a connect the dots of temptations. And we'll never get anywhere. We'll just go back and forth, back and forth. And if you constantly are trying to satisfy yourselves, I promise you, if you're constantly being selfish, if you're constantly being about what you want in the moment, you will be unsatisfied. And what I want to do is look at a scripture in Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verses 24 through 34. Genesis 25, verses 24 through 34. And there's this story of these two sons. They're twins. And they're the children of a guy named Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who had been given a promise, a a, a historical promise that would change eternity, that would change the world. And so that's their granddaddy, and these two men are born. And we're going to start with their story in verse 24. It says, when the time came for her, Rebecca, to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. So he had dark skin, he was hairy, they named him Esau. And after this, his little brother came out after him. And with his hand, he was grasping Esau's heel, and so they named him Jacob, which means he grasps the heel. Literal translation, he grasps the heel. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. And the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, this was daddy. Daddy had a taste for wild game, and so he loved Esau. 
the hunter, the man's man. This guy, if you've seen Beauty and the Beast recently, this guy was like Gaston. He had hair everywhere. He spit really well. All the girls loved him. He could hunt. He could trap. He could do it all. And he was the favorite of daddy. And little Jacob. Little Jacob was a little scrawny, a little pale. He kind of just hid among the tents. He was, he was creepy. He was kind of like a creeper. He was clever. He was, he was devious. He was kind of like a fox. Like he would just like kind of look around corners, real sketchy dude. And, and Jacob was the favorite of Rebecca because he liked to stay at home and cook with her. And he liked to do what she liked to do. And so we've got this situation where the parents have favorites. And these boys are totally opposite. And once Jacob was cooking some stew. Everybody say stew. So stew is like soup with some meat in it or something. And so he's cooking up some stew, and Esau comes in from the open country, and he is famished. He's kind of pulling what we do all the time in America. Man, I am starving. I am so hungry. You wouldn't believe the day I had, Jacob. Man, it is, whoo, I am having a rough day. I just killed all kinds of deer and all kinds of game, and it has been amazing. And you should look at, oh, man, it was amazing. And if he had, like, Instagram back then, he would have, like, shown pictures of himself with, like, the, with, like, the buck that he had killed and been like, oh, I killed this, and this was amazing. And, and so that's what he's done. He's come home. He's tired, and he says, man, I am so hungry. And he says to Jacob, huh. You're cooking something. Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And Jacob, the clever, devious brother, the little brother that clutched onto his heel as he left the womb, realizes, oh, I have an opportunity here. I have an opportunity here. And he says this, first sell me your birthright. Now, here's what the birthright was. The birthright meant you got the family name. It meant you were the patriarch, the leader of the family. It meant that you got double what all the other children got when your father died, of the double the inheritance. You, got, uh, you were the spiritual leader of your family. And in this situation, that meant he was the bloodline. He was the, the, the leader of God's people. <clears throat> he would be a father of a great nation. So his birthright was very important, almost historically important. And Jacob knows this. And Jacob sees his brother, and he's like, I've got him. I've got him right where he wants him, right, right where I want him. He is hungry, and I've got soup. I've got something he wants, and he's got something I want. See, he had never liked being the little brother. He had never liked being the, the scrawny little brother. He wanted to be first, and he wanted the birthright. He knew how important it was. So he said, first, sell me your birthright. I'll give you some stew. And then Esau continues to just exaggerate. Uh, basically, he just continues to lie, and he says this. Oh, look, I'm about to die. No, you're not, Esau. You're not about to die. You're just, you're just being overdramatic. You're exaggerating. But he says, oh, whatever, I'm about to die. And if I die, what good is a birthright? I won't even have it anymore. I won't be able to experience it. And again, he's just, he's lying to himself. He's rationalizing. But, but nonetheless, he says, I'm, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. Swear to me. Swear to me you will give me the birthright for this cup of soup. And so he swore a promise or an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau. Here's the climactic conclusion. Jacob gave Esau. It's an amazing thing. He gave him bread and some lentil stew. He didn't even give him meat. He didn't even give him something good. Soup's not even good. That's why soup's on closed down, because nobody likes soup except for coal. And, and people don't get satisfied by soup. We don't want soup. We want something good. We want meat. We want vegetables. We want Chick-fil-A sandwiches and barbecue and sweet tea. These are the things that he wanted and that he should have wanted, but he sells everything. He gives up everything for bread and lentil stew. 
Who eats, who eats lentil stew? I, like, I've, I've never had, my mom's a great cook, but I've never even had lentil stew. Lentil stew is like the most random thing ever. I know, and beans aren't very good, okay? And so, so, so Jacob gives it all, or, or Esau gives it all up for some bread and lentil stew. And look at this next line, and it's like the, the saddest line in this story. Here it is. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. That's it. The band can go ahead and come back up. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. This, he sold everything for this one moment, and look at what he does. He sits down, he eats, he drinks, he gets up, and he goes. He gave it all up for that experience. And it says, so Esau despised his birthright. What it's saying is he chose a meat stew or lentil stew and bread over God's plan for his life. He traded everything God had for him for soup. And the truth is, we do the same all the time. We basically pick things over God. We pick short experiences over God. We pick stuff and alcohol and drinks and money and drugs and sex and lust and pornography. We we pick these things over God. And you may say, no, 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 I don't. I'm a good Jesus follower. First of all, Nobody's really a good Jesus follower. We're all messed up. We all need grace. But the truth is, we do this all the time. I do it all the time. Pick what I want instead of what God wants. And so, in this situation, he picks stew over God. And this is a picture of us. We drink alcohol, and we get up and leave. We have sex with some girl or guy, we get up and leave. We look at pornography, we do our business, and we get up and leave. We get money, we spend it, we waste it, and we get up and leave. We have an experience that gives us momentary pleasure, and we get up and we leave. We get the next thing, we get the next phone or the next computer or the next set of clothes or the next pair of shoes, and then we get up and we leave, and it's over like that. And Satan's looking at us. I promise you, if you ever want to really see the trap that Satan's setting for you, I just want you to think about this. And this helped me so much. This helped me so much when I really realized this. Is that I am literally a rodent. And I'm crawling around this this mousetrap. And I'm just looking at this little piece of cheese. It's not that good. It's not that incredible. But to me, I'm craving it. I'm I'm hungry for it. And I want it. And I'll want it no matter what. And I don't even notice the trap around it. And Satan's just watching us. He's got all his like, he's got all his like demon buddies around him, and they're all kind of like betting on betting on whether we're gonna give into the temptation. He's like, ah, oh, I bet you. I bet you I'm gonna get her on this one. Watch her. Watch her. Here, here she goes. Here she goes. Snap. Got her. Yes. Uh, he's about to walk into the trap. He doesn't even realize it's going to collapse underneath him and he's going to fall to his death. He, he doesn't get it. And he thinks that, that that carrot that's hanging above the trap is going to make him feel better. It's going to give him full pleasure. He's going to be happy. He's going to be content. Watch him. Watch him. Here he goes. Here he goes. Here he goes. Snap. And down we go. And he just watches us. He watches us eat, drink, and get up and walk away from God. Every single 
day. And who does this have to deal with? This has to deal with everybody. This has to deal with the, the, the upperclassmen that's known Jesus for, for 10 years. You're on leadership, all that kind of junk. Or this has to do with a sixth or seventh grader that thinks I got it all together because I'm in sixth or seventh grade and my life's perfect so far. I've never messed up. I've never done any of the big sins. This has to do with the person that walks in here and who's never been to church. It has to do with all of us because every day we pick stuff and we pick temptations and we pick soup over God. And here's the truth. Here's the truth I need you to know that God needs us to know through scripture. It is this trust that God has more for you than momentary pleasure. Man, do you want to fight this trap? Do you want to get away from the trap of choosing pleasure in the moment over God? I need you to do this. God needs us to do this. He needs us to trust that God has more for us than momentary pleasure. We've got to understand God's got a long game. He's got eternity for us. He's got, uh, he's got endless riches for us. And they may not be money riches. They may not be stuff, but it is riches in his kingdom. I mean, I got to tell you, if I got my way my whole life, I would not be where I want to be today. I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be in the job I'm in if I got what I wanted. I wouldn't be in the, in the home I'm in. I wouldn't be in the relationship with Karen I'm in. I wouldn't be in this church. I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today if I got what I wanted. I promise you. And the same situation for all of you, the same situation for your life group leaders and the adults in this room. If we got what we wanted every time, we'd be at the bottom of a pit. We'd be in the trap dead. But because we trust in God, that he has more for us than the trap, we're able to see something new and something different than we ever would have known for ourselves. And some of you may say, well, that's, that's not really very practical. Okay, I'll give you one practical thing. I could give you 20 things, but I'll give you one. Stay out of situations where you're tempted. Pretty simple. If you drink, don't go to a bar. If you smoke, don't hang out with drug dealers and potheads. If you, if you, if you have sex and you struggle with sex, don't hang out with your girlfriend in her bedroom naked under the sheets. If you're, if you're addicted to pornography, stop sitting on your computer at 12 o'clock at night hoping that you might not click on that porno, pornography site. If, you, if you're dealing with stuff and money, stop spending all your money and going after money and going after stuff all the time and trying to replace everything and, and selling yourself out for those things. Don't do it because you're just gonna put yourself in situations. And some of you, man, man I've known, and myself, I do, I've known some great people that get tripped up because they continually put themselves in bad situations. You can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. I promise you. But ultimately, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. I mean, I've known, I've known some guys um, growing up in my life groups, myself, my, my friends, guys in my life group that struggle with, with pornography and lust. And guess what? You can have all the accountability in the world. You can have all the safeguards on your computer. You can do everything. But until your heart changes, you're not going to get out of the trap. You're going to keep on going right up to the trap, and you're going to even notice the trap. You're going to say, huh, that's going to hurt. I'm going to do it anyway. And that's when it really gets bad. When, when we walk up to it and we know we're going to mess up and, and we do it anyway. And so what we've got to do is draw near to Jesus and find out for ourselves that he is better. I'm going to close with this verse, Psalm 34, verse 8. It says this, God says this through his word, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, I can stand up here and preach until I lose my voice and I'm blue in the face, but it won't change you until you taste and see that the Lord is good. You're not going to stop falling for the trap of lust and pornography and drugs and alcohol until you realize that Jesus is better. 
You, Jesus has to be better than those things. And some of you say, yeah, Jesus is better. Well, no, he's not. Because you keep on going back to it. If you're continually looking at pornography, is Jesus better than pornography to you? No. Pornography is better than Jesus. And you may say, no, 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 I don't believe that. Well, your actions show it. See, we've got we've to stop acting like our actions are different than our beliefs. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. And if you believe that Jesus is better, the actions will follow. And so some of us have got to get to the heart of the issue. And we've got to realize that we have to find out for ourselves, not our parents, not our life group leader, not our friend. We have to find out for ourselves that Jesus is better. He's better than any of these traps that Satan sets for us. And when you get to that point that Jesus is better, you're not going to be perfect. I promise you that. You're not going to be perfect. But you're going to walk up to the trap and you're going to say, that's going to hurt. I'm not doing that. And you're going to keep on walking. I'm not falling for that again, Satan. I'm not going for that, for that, for that meat or that cheese that you set out before me. I'm going to keep on going because Jesus is better. And so here's how I want to close. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. If you um, would say that you're just struggling, this isn't a salvation invitation yet. Um, this, is, this is just, you're struggling with one of these things, one of these bricks, alcohol, stuff, drugs, lust, pornography, maybe something I didn't mention up here. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to just admit that you've fallen victim to this trap. You've fallen victim to being hungry for this trap. If that's you, um, on the count of three, raise your hand and I just want to pray for you. Because we believe that prayer works. We believe that when we admit things before God, that it changes us. And so on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you're struggling. I want you to be honest with yourself. Be bold. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise it high. Raise it high. Man, we've messed up. We've fallen victim to these traps. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for the adults and students in this room. I pray for myself. And we've messed up. We've gone for the, for the meat or the cheese or the soup in the trap and, and we have gotten hurt for it and we've hurt other people. Lord, help us to turn to you because you are better. Jesus is better than anything in the world. Lord, help everyone in this room know that you're better. Not think it, not believe it, but to know that you're better and let that knowledge change our actions because you are better than alcohol you're better than getting high you're better than sex you're better than all those things and you have an eternity set out for us Lord I pray that we live with eternity in mind that we live with your kingdom in mind that we live with your gifts and your riches in mind in your name we pray Amen. You keep, keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity. If you, if you came here tonight, I, I know I've seen a whole bunch of new people tonight as y'all walked in. If you came in here tonight and you say, I, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never done that before. Every week in this series, we're going to give you the opportunity because there's so many temptations that we're choosing over God and we've got to go to the ultimate antidote, the ultimate medicine for our sin and for the traps. The ultimate way to get out of Satan's traps is through salvation, through Jesus. It's through grace. We are not perfect. We are never going to get through every trap. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We need Jesus. So with all the heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if you said, I've never given my life to Christ, I, I believe in God maybe, I've been to church, I, I've read the Bible before, but I've never actually heard of a God that loves me, that cares for me, and wants better for me than all this junk in my life. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and pray this prayer with me. It's not my words that are gonna save you, it's your belief in your heart and you saying it with your own mouth as it says in Romans. So on the count of three, raise your hand and pray this prayer with me. And I want you to remember the moment you said yes to Jesus. You put your hand up for Jesus. One, God loves you too. You'll never be the same. Three, raise your hand.
Raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Give you a couple more seconds if that's you. Put up your hand. Now pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we need you. I'm yours. I know I've messed up. I've made a mess of my life. I've given up to, given into some traps. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I know you are the son of God. That you died for me and you rose again. Lord, I want to follow after you. Be the Lord of my life. Change me. I want to taste and see that you are good. Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you. In your name. Amen.